Before we get to the episode, we have a couple of voicemails. We're going to start with one from Ian. Let's listen to that now. He has some strong feelings about Jeff Flanagan, by the way. Hi, my name is Ian, and I'm calling as a Florida State uh, fan, actually. I was never enrolled at Duke University, but my brother went to Duke for four years. He was in the marching band, the basketball band, the crazies, the dumb. Uh, he was there on the sidelines when Duke won it all in 2015. I visited the campus four times. I've become very attached. And unfortunately, I was watching the game last night against North Carolina, and you have the distinct displeasure to have been refereed by the worst officiating crew in the entirety of the FBS, Jeff Flanagan. I've been complaining about this guy for 13 years since I've been watching him. I was introduced to him as a member of the Florida State Band in 2011 when he refereed the Miami game, a game that was notorious for having so many missed and blown calls that it lasted five full hours. Uh, my grandparents were at the game. It was their first football game, and they told me that they were so bored that they would never go to another one again. I say that to say I think it's high time that we call for an investigation into his long history of very fraudulent, shoddy, and just completely baseless officiating. I counted at least three, if not five, separate instances of a call on the field being accurate, such as that interception at the end of the game, and Jeff Flanagan comes up and just overturns the call on his own. No review, nothing. Uh, blown calls, missed calls, just the list goes on. Uh, I don't need to rehash it to you because I'm sure I'm not the only one calling about him today, but I did want to let you know that I've had enough and I have emailed a bunch of ACC management uh, as of last night about my intention to call for an investigation. I will be making a petition to call for his investigation and hopefully to, to suspend him. I think that the angle that needs to be taken is that in this era of conference realignment and big money throwing around and teams grabbing the best that they can get, this is no place to pick favorites. Obviously, they pick North Carolina as a favorite. I'm not accusing them in this call, but this is no place to be selective at all. This is no place to lose our integrity. Jeff Flanagan is a stain on this conference, and he is perhaps one of the main reasons that there's talk of the ACC falling apart because we're just not competitive. So I hope that uh, this resonates with some listeners of the podcast. First-time caller, again, happy to be here. Go Duke. Looking forward to seeing you guys continue to do well. The better team did not win last night, but we will make amends. Ian, all I have to say is, boy, that escalated quickly. But in all seriousness, I love what you're doing. Keep it up. I I just don't understand how that game was officiated so poorly, and it doesn't look like much, if anything, is going to be done about it, but we'll see. Now we're turning to regular Call-in guest, Jason Rogers. Let's hear what he has to say. What's going on, Ben? I'm not sure how in the world I'm going to keep this professional. You gave me the the green light uh, this past weekend, so here we go. We were robbed, just plain Jane robbed. And my heart goes out to the players, the coaching staff, the fans, the players of the, the parents of the players, they're all heartbroken. Um, and it's just, 
I just can't believe what I witnessed from the officiating staff not to review the interception that we had with less than two minutes to go in the game. Uh, the ball was clearly moving before his rear end hit the ground. I don't know how in the hell you can get go for a fumble and 10,000 players go for the ball and the last one that goes in comes out with it. So what I'm saying there is that if that can happen with sight unseen by the referees, and somebody's underneath that pile, and they rip that ball out, and they come out with it, and they don't have a clue, similar to what happened against the Wake Forest game, how Peeves went under there and came out with it. He was not the first one to go after that ball. Uh, he was one of the last ones, if I recall correctly. Uh, how in the hell can we, can we, can the re referees not review that play, that ball was moving before his rear end hit the ground. Uh, matter of fact, I think it was more in our possession before he hit the ground. And at least I'll give a little bit of a benefit of the doubt that that should have been an incomplete pass, if, if at all. But I, I'm hoping that that play is going to change the future again of college football uh, with reviews. So I've got that out of the way. Uh, my two questions are, how, what does the administration do with a blown call like this, the AD, what's protocol? And my second question is, this would be your homework, Ben. I think we've, I know we've played five ranked teams this year. Is that the most in the ACC of any team? Or how close are we in the nation against other division, other FDS schools playing five ranked teams and, and Carolina with a fruitcake of a schedule they had this year and lost to two, really, yeah, lost to two schools. That, and I would like to leave my score prediction this week, this week against the, uh, Virginia. I think that Elko and company are going to have uh, our young men ready to go. I think, um, you know, he's really going to concentrate on a lot of mental. The mental game this week coming off the uh, stolen game from the UNC game. So my prediction is, and I'm going to go way out here. Uh, well, no, let me change that. I think we're going to go 38 to 17, Duke. Um, Elko, like I said, Elko's going to have our young men ready to go. And um, again, I, my apologies go out to everyone that's a Duke fan. Uh, just, just unbelievable. That's our bell. We all know it. If, if there's any real Carolina fans out there, real Carolina football fans, I should say. They should be ashamed of calling that a victory this past weekend. Anyway, thanks for all your hard work, Ben. Can't wait to hear what your dad has to say about it. And, uh, man, appreciate your hard work. And as always, go Duke. 
Jason, I really can't argue with anything that you said about the officials. Uh, my understanding as far as the process is that the coaches will submit uh, things to the ACC to get some explanation. I don't know if that really leads to anything. I mean, all really that can be done is maybe some discipline like what happened back in 2015 with the Miami game. And also there, the ACC admitted that there were mistakes. doesn't really do anything good because it doesn't really change the outcome. So, I mean, it's kind of like crying over spilt milk, if you will. Now, your question about the ranked teams that each ACC team has played, I believe that you're correct. Uh, Duke has played the most. My quick count, and this could be wrong because I'm doing the research while trying to watch the Duke-Michigan State game, is that the Blue Devils played have played five ranked teams so far this season. The Eagles have played, and let me just double-check this here for the Blue Devils so I don't get this wrong. They, the five teams that they have played who have been ranked when they played them are Clemson, Notre Dame, Florida State, Louisville, and then that other team that we will not mention. BC played one, Clemson two, Florida State two, Georgia Tech three, Louisville two, Miami three, NC State two, Pitt four, surprisingly. Cuse has played two, UVA also four, Virginia Tech two, and Wake Forest one, and I left one team out. I think you know who that team is and why. And we have one more voicemail, uh, which I really love what this person has to say. Yeah, hey, I was just calling in. Wanted to check in and see if it was true that I heard Jeff Flanagan uh, was the first uh, player in nearly 100 years in Carolina history. Uh, first person ever in Carolina history, nearly 100 years of team. So, yeah, but Jeff Flanagan was the first person ever carried off the field. Unbelievable. No, really, more seriously. What a joke. Uh, incredible. Hate it for our guys. They work so hard. And, uh, you know, to see it go like it went, played a great game, and Grayson Loftus and the defense, and, and just to have it stolen like that is just disgusting and sickening, and I can't stop thinking about it. Um, and it will go down on as a win in my book. Uh, go Duke. they gotta, they got to turn it around this week and, uh, and beat Virginia. But uh, I, I, will, I will keep talking about it. All right. Take care. Agree 100%. Uh, nothing really to argue about there. I do think that the reason uh, Mac Brown was so emotional at the end of the game was really because of all the uh, NIL money that had been invested in the officials. Just kidding. Obviously, that's a joke. I didn't want to say this, though. I've talked a lot of smack about North Carolina over the years. And really, at this point, I just don't think I'm going to be able to do that anymore. They've beaten the Blue Devils five years in a row. Granted, three of those could have easily gone the other way. 2019, that's all on cut and that play call. The last two, we can talk about it. But look, until until the Blue Devils beat the Tar Heels, I'm going to have to retire all this uh, uh, smack talk about Carolina because it's really, since Mac Brown came back, it's turned into a one-sided rivalry. So, um I'm going to have to find another outlet for my distaste for that program. They've just, they've been better. They've, they've beaten the blue devils on the field every time with some, anyway. Okay. Questionable calls. Just We got to get over it. We got to move on to UVA, which we're going to do now. So let's pick up with the interview.
And as always, go Duke. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Bull City Coordinators Duke Football Coverage Podcast. I'm going to skip all the intro stuff. You've been listening forever. You know where to find us, bullcitycoordinators.com, at DukeFB Coverage, bullcitycoordinators at gmail.com. Call us, 540-632-0160. You just heard some voicemails before we got started. You know the drill. Call. Leave a voicemail. You'll get on the podcast. Coming off a heartbreaking loss last week to the Tar Heels for, unfortunately, the fifth straight year. Uh, The Blue Devils now have to look to regroup and get ready to beat UVA, uh, which hopefully Duke will be able to do. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be guaranteed. And as we've been doing all year, we are getting you ready for our opponents. Uh, We did with Mac Brown. Big get for us last week. I I thought that was big that we got Mac Brown on. We don't have uh, Tony Elliott coming on this week, but we do have UVA super, van, super fan and contributor contributor to UVA fan sites, which we'll hear about uh, soon. Returning, I think, for his third appearance on the podcast is our old friend Dan Siegel. Dan, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Yeah, I think this is time number three on the show. Um Excited here to talk some Duke UVA football. I know things haven't looked fantastic for UVA this year, and especially considering Mike Elko and Tony Elliott being hired in the same cycle. I know, you know, there's a lot of takes to be had in that respect, but uh, I think there's some silver lining. I think there's some redeeming qualities about this team, and the spread is pretty close to like, I don't know, four or five points. So, there's reason for this to be a good football game. And I I didn't do a lot of research for this one because I just you lose five straight years to your rival, and I mean you you've experienced something similar with oh, being yeah. a UVA fan in Virginia Tech. You just it's it's hard to to take the time to do some research. This is your third third appearance on the podcast, and I appreciate you coming on uh, to to do that. So just just give us a, an idea of where UVA is right now. I noticed this getting ready for today. Uh, UVA's had a surprisingly difficult schedule, so it's not like they're going to be surprised uh, or shocked by having to play a good defense like Duke's. I mean, the UVA's already played four ranked teams this year. Yeah, I mean, I think – I don't know if this stat is still true, but there is at some point in the regular season not too long ago where every single uh, UVA opponent was above 500. And even the non-conference, it was just pretty much a gauntlet. Like, the group of five opponent was James Madison. They're 10-0 and right now. That was a close, devastating loss. Uh, Maryland, Tennessee. Tennessee was a blowout. And then just – Throughout the season, it's been just a lot of close one-possession losses. There's that one win against Carolina that was, you know, we were on the right side of some luck there. But one and six, I believe, one and five maybe is our record in one-possession games. And UVA was predicted to finish last in the conference. They likely will finish just around last in the conference. But it hasn't been the same awful, incompetent UVA football team that we expected. It wasn't like last year of David Cutcliffe Duke kind of bad. 
Well, looking at, I want to follow up on a couple of points you made about the the close losses. It was a one point loss to James Madison, a three point loss to the NC State Wolfpack, three point loss to Boston College, who's done surprisingly well this year, three points in overtime to Miami, and then a seven point heartbreaking loss to Louisville. You guys have had games that could have gone the other way, which would make the schedule or the the win-loss record a lot different. But also before we get into the meat of the two teams, I do want to mention this. UVA, ridiculously tough schedule. And people who heard this with the voicemail intro, Duke has played five ranked teams. Pitt has played four. UVA has played four. Duke is the only one that has a winning record of those three. What can the conference try to do about these unbalanced schedules? Yeah, I think it's just the unfortunate reality of conference expansion. And if anything, it's really just going to get worse with there being 16, 18 teams per conference. And then like, you know, you could only play eight or nine max conference games in a season. I really don't know what the solution is and i'm really just not a fan of this trend that's going on but i guess i don't know maybe schedule light in the non-conference i i really don't know what the solution would be there's no no upside to playing anybody difficult in non-conference i i hate to say it especially if you're a team like like the blue devils uh, who have just had a brutal, brutal schedule this year. And again, going looking at UVAs, you've got Tennessee, James Madison. Uh, I'm not going to count Maryland as anything. William and Mary. Those are not easy. That's not an easy non-conference schedule and the conference schedule is not any better. And then you look at the teams who are doing surprisingly well, they have a very soft conference schedule. I mean, Florida State, who I think is a very good team, though, um, I'm not criticizing them. I think they've only played two ranked teams all season. So I don't know what we're going to do. But let, let's turn to, to UVA again, coming off a heartbreaking loss versus Louisville, a, a terrible injury. Uh, hearts go out uh, to, to the player and his family and, and to the UVA team hopefully he'll get better walk us through where uva is right now and what the blue devils should expect from them at 3 p.m on saturday well i don't think this is a team that will go down easy i don't think this will be an easy win for duke i'm not saying that uva is going to win the game i will never make that prediction just due to the overall record that they have at only two wins at this point in the year but i think at the very least we've seen especially on the latter side of the bye week that UVA has the potential to make games competitive, right? They beat North Carolina. They took Miami to overtime. They were took it to the last minute against Louisville. And then the Georgia Tech game, that's the one game that really just wasn't good. But I think, I mean, the defense for UVA has some real solid, like, pieces that will – limit explosive plays, not necessarily a team that's going to turn you over a bunch, not necessarily a unit that has all this speed, but I'd say the strength of the defense is probably their defensive front. And then on the offensive side, I think the storylines, or maybe the two storylines that have gotten the most national attention are, first off, Malik Washington, the wide receiver, who is just an incredible piece. 
second in the nation in receiving yards at this point. Every single game, it seems, he's well over 100 yards, just a real well-rounded 5'9 receiver, but just able to get open, make plays after the catch, great possession guy. And then there's Anthony Calandria, the quarterback, who I believe will most likely play as all indications are um, are made. I think he's just the ultimate gunslinger, right? Like, he has a lot of swagger to him as a true freshman. A lot of a lot of people nationally have recognized that. Still hasn't won a game as a starter, but has made some incredible plays with both his arm and his legs. So that's really the the basic storylines regarding UVA football this year. Well, as we're actually doing this interview, the college football playoff top six uh, are being dropped on ESPN. I'm turning my head to the left. You've got Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, Washington, and Oregon. So we're just going to drop that in. Of course, everybody will know that by the time they listen to this. Talking about UVA, you've got one true freshman starting for the Cavaliers, another starting for the Blue Devils. What are your thoughts about how the these two young quarterbacks are going to handle what are going to be two pretty aggressive, solid defenses? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not necessarily going to speak on the Duke side of things, as I think you probably are more knowledgeable than, than myself on that. I know Calandria, he definitely has made mistakes before, takes some – sacks for big losses, um, makes some throws that he has no business making, right? Like just some freshman mistakes. But I I think in terms of poise, in terms of the moment being too big for him, that will not necessarily be the case. And think about UVA and their defense facing a freshman quarterback. They're not really the type, John Radzinski, the defensive coordinator that is, to be aggressive blitzing-wise. They're going to drop back into coverage. They do have dynamic coverage packages that they could offer, but it's not going to be one of those games where they're just going to pin back their ears and come after the quarterback all night. They're going to give him probably rush four or five, right? Duke is probably superior in terms of their offensive line, right? They, I know they have one really good prospect, Graham Barton, right? That's his name. Yeah, he's good, and you got Jacob Monk, and then you got some younger guys who are coming along, and and there's been an injury bug um, uh, for the team of late. It's been an issue. Yeah, but I think it's just a matter of whether he could read the coverages that Virginia is going to offer. Like I said, I don't think he'll be under pressure all night if the as long as the Duke offensive line doesn't allow that to happen. And I'm looking at UVA's schedule right now. This is probably the best defense UVA's faced all year, I think. Uh, I'm not trying to take anything away from any of the other teams. Obviously, if you play NC State, their defense is going to come ready and be well prepared. Yeah. But, <clears throat> excuse me. Louisville, maybe. Right. And, and looking at looking at what the Blue Devils are going to do, I still don't know how they do this, but at some point you just have to believe your, your lying eyes. Uh, Duke can really turn the ball over and they find ways to get pressure. The linebackers have really stepped it up. Looking at those matchups, what do you think the biggest challenge is going to be for UVA's offense in facing up against Duke's defense? 
I think it's probably going to be just up front, the offensive line in the trenches. The offensive line has been the major problem for Virginia all season, especially in the run game. They just haven't been able to open up holes. The running backs have not had explosive numbers. They have not. More importantly, they haven't really been able to get those like four or five, six yards when they want it. And I think that could potentially be a major issue for Virginia. Um, yeah, I would I would say it's probably the offensive line and just the musical chairs that have gone on all season. Also, we haven't talked about this yet, but we can't go too far into the podcast without mentioning this with Virginia. A lot of their issues have just been self-inflicted wounds this year, like just dumb penalties, pre-snap especially. Um, poor special teams, um, just basically like, like like mistakes that could be easily prevented, not mistakes that are forced. For example, like the, a lot of it is on coaching, right? Like Virginia driving down the field a lot, and then they, they're doing so the conventional way, and then all of a sudden a trick play is called out of nowhere, turns into – a big loss or a fumble, right? And it's just been the situational stuff has been really what's held Virginia from like they're two and two and eight, or yeah, two and eight, I think. Yeah, two and eight right now to they could be like a four or five win team around 500. It just they they went they they like figured out the situation and stuff essentially. What you're saying about self-inflicted wounds is interesting because if I see another false start penalty, I'm just going to start banging my head against the wall. Uh, that's been an issue for the Blue Devils all season. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why. I know there have been some injuries. I know there have been some changeovers, but uh, these guys have experience. There's enough of them there that there should be enough experience. You're not bra- it, next year. I would expect there to be more issues with false starts because of the turnover that we're going to see. I just can't quite figure out why the Blue Devils keep doing that. On the special teams, though, the kicking teams, Duke's pretty solid. They don't seem to make a whole lot of mistakes there, although the return game hasn't been particularly strong on punts. Porter Wilson is a great punter, and he had a nice uh, conversion on a on a fake punt attempt. Uh, that kept a drive going for the Blue Devils on Saturday. So that should be an area that should be of interest to watch. Hopefully it'll go well for the Blue Devils. Uh, turning into uh, – let's kind of flip things a little bit. You're, you're a UVA fan. Tell me what you're most worried about going up when, when Duke gets into Charlottesville on Saturday and then what you feel best about. All right, so I would say – I'm most worried about I'm most worried about probably the the run game for probably on both sides of the ball, right? I'm I'm not I don't have pulled up Duke's rushing numbers this year, but I know Virginia has really just not been able, able to get it going. I have their numbers in front of me. Paris Jones is their leading rusher right now. Obviously, he won't be playing in this game. He was the one that suffered that brutal injury on that um, fumble scoop and score play by Malik Washington. But the leading rusher in the offense has 39 yards per game. So that's that's not going to cut it. That's mostly due to the offensive line. Duke doesn't have the most explosive rushing game or at least the most consistent rushing game, but that's definitely 
something where UVA could just be pushed around. And I, I just, I don't really see a, a circumstance where UVA wins the battle of just rushing yards. In other words, I would say the best case scenario where I feel excited about just watching Anthony Calangia, the quarterback for UVA, just ball. He's just such a fun player. I see him progress week after week. And I really want to see him grab his first win because the stats, the plays that he's made have been pretty impressive, but seems like, seems like the coaching staff, I think has just not let him cook as much as he possibly could. And if they just let him run the offense the way they would with Tony Musk at the starting quarterback, like I think UVA has potential for really explosive, really um, good offensive attack. And so I would say most concerned about is the battle of the, in the trenches, specifically the rushing games. And most excited about is just watching Anthony Calandria, the quarterback, the future of the program. Well, we, we've talked a little bit about these two teams, kind of how they're going to match up, what you think is going to happen. One thing that I'd like to ask you about before we get into predictions is, uh, is what are your thoughts on Tony Elliott and the job that he's doing? Because I'm trying to think of a, a way to say this that does not sound mean, but He's five and fifteen overall. He's two and eleven in conference. What what do you guys you can speak for the entire fan base or yourself, whichever one you prefer, but but what are your thoughts on the job Tony Elliott's doing right now? So I will speak more for myself. I think you look at the record, you look at the results, the product on the field, you can't feel good about it, right? Like I would just be completely delusional to say like, oh, he's doing a fine job. You know, I, I, I see nothing but green grass ahead. Like you can't say that. I will put things into context a little bit. I think Virginia is a very difficult place to win. I don't think they get nearly enough institutional support as they should. And that's definitely holding them back. I think Bronco Mendenhall, the previous coach for Virginia has just, had had a very, very good formula to mask the issues of Virginia football institutionally. And that's why they put together some really good products and bowl seasons, one orange bowl season. I so it's he doesn't have really the advantages going for him. What I am willing to say is I see the vision, right? Like I, I see potential improvement happening. I think next year a bowl game could be a reasonable expectation just based on what I've seen this year and, you know, the strides that they've made, but the, the results are not there. I understand how frustrating it is. And, you know, even though he hasn't been dealt the best hand, a lot of the, the failures, so to speak, that Virginia has undergone have been, can be traced back to him and just, some of the mistakes, the bad mistakes that he's made and just the unpreparedness that they've been. But I would will say after the bye week, they've looked a lot more prepared and it's just been a matter of not coming through at the end. One thing I I thought as the season started was there, that this was going to be the end for Tony Elliott in Charlottesville. I didn't see him getting out of the season. But as it's gone on, 
you know, the team has played a lot better. So I think, and it's never a good spot to be as a coach, but I think he's going to come back next year, but I think next year is going to be the make or break year for him. Is that oh, kind of where you are? 100%. Totally agree with that. If they have, if they go four and eight next year with a bunch of moral loss or moral victories, no, he can't, he, he can't. It's three years now. You got to let him go. But, you know, as of now, I'm willing to give him another year. I'm, I don't love him as a coach. I'm, I'm not confident, but I'm, I, I see a vision and I, I could I could see the reasoning to bring him back. I would I would actually agree with bringing him back just because you're at a place where winning is very difficult and two years, especially one year cut short due to a tragedy, is not enough to fully con- be convinced that he's not going to succeed in any way in Charlottesville. Okay, Dan, we're going to switch topics now we are going to turn into the predictions portion of the podcast all right so tell me who do you think is going to win this game we haven't even talked about how it's going to be on the great cw network so we'll we'll hear probably some ads for f boy island Uh, that'll be good again (laughs) who do you think is going to win the game on saturday and why Hmm. I, I think Duke wins. I, I, I don't think that's like a bold take. I'm just I'm back and forth whether Duke blows them out or it's like a close game. I'm, I'll, I'll say final score prediction Duke 27 Virginia 17. I would say I think just I I mean I don't think like the way the Georgia Tech game went has the potential to happen again in Duke or against Duke just because the injuries especially the quarterback position that and offensive line like you mentioned that have gone on for Duke I don't think they could like overwhelm them offensively but the way these two teams match up I think Duke is just better coached and in a better place right now so I'll say 27-17. I am a little torn on my pick as far as the score. I am going to take the Blue Devils. I had us at 27 points as well. One thing that I've noticed, though, Loftus as the quarterback has been involved in two very close games. So it's hard to know exactly what's going to happen, although I do think he's gotten better with each game game he was better against Carolina than he was against Wake you can interpret that however you want to interpret it I was leaning 27 to 13 but you've kind of talked me into 27 17 I'm going to go with that score as well part of the reason that I say that is just because of the fact you've got you've got a young quarterback with a good running game but young quarterbacks are not going to to protect the ball as well as they should. We saw a strip of Loftus against Wake, so it wouldn't surprise me if – and we saw it again against Carolina that they called a forward pass, an incomplete pass. It wouldn't surprise me if there's a play or two like that. And Frankly, I think it'll be for both quarterbacks just because they're young. UVA's challenge is going to be going up against 
probably the best defense they've faced all year. However, I would note this. Duke has pressed defensively and gotten a little overly aggressive on defense, trying to strip the ball and make something happen instead of playing within the system. We saw that against UVA and in and, and some other games. So that could be something that UVA could take advantage of. Now, we have two more predictions, Dan. The first is going to be dad. We're going to check in uh, on Richlandia. We're going to see how things are going. So we're going to drop in his voicemail now. Well, hello again, everyone. Ben's dad here, checking in from Richlandia with a look at the uh, opponent for the weekend, the Wahoos, as we make the short trip up to Charlottesville. Uh, the Hoos come in averaging 23 points a game, but they're giving up 32 points a game. Uh, they average about 120 yards on the ground and give up 180 yards per game, but uh, also giving up 23 rushing touchdowns. They've completed 62% of their passes, uh, excuse me, passes, and averaged 249 yards per game through the air, and their opponents have completed just under 63% of their passes for about 218 yards a game. Uh, Virginia has thrown 13 interceptions, and they've picked off seven. Their punter's net average is only 34.8. Uh, their third down conversion rate is 36%, and the opposition converts 41% of the time. They've converted on fourth down half the time, and their opponents almost half the time, 47%. They are 14 for 17 on field goal attempts, and they've attempted one onside kick um, unsuccessfully. And they're 29 out of 37 trips to the red zone with 20 touchdowns. The opponents, 29 out of 34 with 24 touchdowns. They're one for one on two-point conversion attempts. The only quarter in which they've outscored their opponents for the season is the first by a total of five points, and they've been dominated in the second and fourth quarters by scores of 90 to 54 and 93-41. In spite of this, they've uh, lost uh, five games by a touchdown or less. Uh, Paris Jones injured against Louisville and certainly will not be playing this week. Um, only averaged 39 yards per game, so Kobe Pace is their number two ball carrier with the most carries on the season, but only averages 31 yards a game. Malik Washington is their leading receiver with an average of 120 yards per game and seven touchdowns on the season. Uh, their second and third receivers, a number of catches are fields and pace. Jonas Sanker is their leading tackler with 90 total tackles and three for, uh, tackles for loss. Jackson and King are the only two others with at least 60 total tackles. Uh, Butler has five tackles for loss and three and a half sacks. Virginia has fumbled 12 times, losing five. The opponents have fumbled nine times, losing four. Uh, they average over 51 yards in penalties in, uh, per game. Uh, their time of possession for the season, on the average, 31 minutes and 17 seconds. And I think I've got the sacks number here. Yes, the Hoos have 10, but they've allowed 36. Uh, so as Frank Howard, the old Clemson coach, used to say, this looks like a chance to dive into the white meat of the schedule. But as we said before, injuries are really affecting us right now. And uh, let's hope for the best and a few people back on the field, and Duke wins, let's say, 27-13. Go, Duke. Dad, I don't know if that is the first Frank Howard reference on this podcast, but I'm going to say yes because I'm not going to go back and listen to all the other episodes to find out. Good, good, uh, good reference there, and I will note that he actually went 27-13 to 13 in his pick, so he's stealing – my ideas for me and my my good ideas okay now dan 
I don't, you're, you're busy. You're in school, right? You're, you're up, you're up there, uh, keeping tabs on UMass, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So you may not remember when Blacksburg Chris called in who may or may not have also subbed as Mac Brown last week, but he, he's a Hokie. He texted me with his prediction. I'm going to read it to you now. Okay. And you, you can react to this as need, need be. This is a word for word reading of the tweet. My question to him was Duke UVA who wins and the score to which he responded Duke 27 Doughboys 10. He's not high on your guys, Dan. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I could see it happening, right? Like it's a matter of if Duke kind of gets up to a big lead early and, you know, this is the mistakes for Virginia compound. I could see them just not really getting anything going offensively, but I'm, I'm a little bit more confident in Calandria. I think he, definitely includes that 10 point mark but it seems like we're all agreeing on that like 27 ish range for duke so i guess we could stick with that right let's let's see what vegas is thinking i haven't exactly dove into that but so if i could do the math here over under 47 and a half and then duke minus four so that would be like yeah pretty much the same thing 27 ish for duke and then like 21 22 for uva right let me let me let me let me say this about the over under, and I'm terrible at this stuff. So let me just qualify that. That over seems high, which makes me think that Vegas uh, is expecting everybody to put money on the under because they they're expecting this to get to like 48 or 50 points. And I will say it would not surprise me if that happens because, again, your quarterback's a gunslinger. Loftus is a gunslinger. They both seem to have that mentality about them, and I don't think that they're going to get frazzled. It'll just be very interesting to watch how it plays out because I would not at all be surprised if it's a close game that Duke takes a 10-point lead late and closes it out late, and maybe it was hovering around three to four points the whole time. Although, you know, I could see the Duke defense just rolling off a bunch of turnovers too. It's certainly possible, but but I think it's probably going to be a little bit closer than people expect. And and looking at recent history with the exception of the Georgia Tech game, I mean, look, UVA went on the road against Louisville and had a chance to win that game and played a lot better against the Cardinals than than Duke did. So I don't think you if you're a Blue Devil fan that you can just overlook the Cavaliers on Saturday. I mean, I, I could see this being a very close game. I mean, I, I'm not off base on that, am I? No, absolutely not. Like, I, I think I prefaced this pod saying I see a world where Virginia wins this game. It's just when you're two and eight, it's really hard to like make that as a prediction, right? Because I have one prediction, right? I'm not like giving like a probability here. So if I if I have one prediction, I'm not predicting the two and eight teams to win, but I could see a world where it happens for sure. And I think that you're right. There certainly is a way that that could happen. And I think it would be foolish of anybody to think that this is going to be a cakewalk. Duke's going to have to be smart. Duke's going to have to be savvy and be real careful and not do anything stupid. So with that in mind, we've had another good discussion. I know you're busy with school, but you've been on here before. So you know the drill. You've answered all my questions. So you get an open mic. What would you like to talk about? 
Um, you know what? I, I'm gonna take this in the direction of college basketball. Just, I think I've honestly, in the last couple of years, trended more towards loving the sport of college basketball a little more than even college football. Um, this season has gotten off to just a phenomenal, exciting start. We are now in, entering week two of college basketball, which is the week where the real matchups really get going. I know we both kind of just saw the end of Duke and Michigan State where you guys pulled that one out. So good for you guys. Um, just we do a weekly podcast every Sunday night live, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, called College Basketball Review Studio. So check that out for sure. You you could find that through my Twitter at Dan Siegel underscore. But I, I'm i really looking forward to um, this year of college basketball. And I I know this is a football pod, but, you know, you, you got a Duke audience, so these people definitely care. Well, we did have we did have Robert Bricky on to preview the Blue Devils uh, this season. Uh, one thing I did want to ask you before I let you go: tell us where we can keep up with you online and on social media. You mentioned your uh, Twitter account. Where else can we find you? Um, yeah, we're, we're, I also do some uh, Virginia-based content at Streaking the Lawn. It's the Twitter is at STL underscore UVA. It's just a it's a Virginia blog associated with SB nation. So it's just the, the Virginia affiliate of that. And we do a lot of just really quality analysis, in my opinion, UVA basketball, UVA football, um, baseball, like lacrosse, like we, we cover it all. And I think we, we have good, like good relations, good rapport with the other ACC sites. So sometimes we work together with those. So, you could see us interacting. I'm not sure if we'll do like a, a joint UVA Duke preview. I'm not sure what the Duke SB Nation blog is, if they have one, but that's where you could find me. All right. Well, excellent, Dan. Thank you for uh, for giving us all that information. Uh, folks, check Dan out. He's a great source of information. He's a good follow on Twitter. Please follow him if you aren't already. And folks, go to our website, bullcitycoordinators.com. Check us out on Twitter at DukeFB Coverage. Our DMs are open. We're on all the social medias. You know where to find us. I do want to add one little programming thing. As you all know, co-coordinator Tim and I watch games together. We play some old-time music. Uh, a friend of ours, Jeff, mutual friend, has started coming to watch with us, who is also a Duke fan. So now the three of us are playing music together. The sound is really good. So what I'm going to try to do is is record a few more songs, post them on our on our site at bullcitycoordinators.com so you can check them out. The three-piece thing we've got going sounds just fantastic, and I know you guys will enjoy it. So enough of me rambling and getting off topic, guys. It was a it was a brutal loss on Saturday. We got to rebound. We got to get it together. We got to go beat the Cavaliers. So let's hope that happens. And hey, as always, go Duke.